0: You are listening to Waterflying, a show dedicated to all things seaplanes. Brought to you by the Seaplane Pilots Association. My name is Steve McCoy. I'm the executive director of the Seaplane Pilots Association, which is the world's largest nonprofit advocacy organization dedicated to the protection and promotion of the waterflying community. Climb aboard! are about to start today's episode.
1: Welcome back to waterflying. I'm Abby Kellett. I'm a flight instructor in seaplanes and assistant to Steve McKay, executive director here at the Seaplane Pilots Association.
0: Yeah, and as always, when we start the show, I'd like to first and foremost, thank the members of the Seaplane Pilots Association, because it's because of you guys that we're allowed to protect and promote the waterflying community. And we do that not only here in the United States, but around the world.
1: So we're constantly striving to improve this show, and your feedback is critical. We actually had a member walk in, Rye Thompson. So great to see you, Rye. I know we've communicated on social media. It's great to actually meet someone who's been listening to the show and has had such great feedback. We really want to hear from you. If you would like to reach out, you can find us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also email us at spa at seaplanes.org.
0: Yes, and Rye has attended the Corn Roasted Air Venture many times and uh, is uh, consequently uh, on his way up to Alaska to start a new job.
1: Which is kind of ironic because... Today, we're talking about Alaska,
0: flying seaplanes. Great, great, uh, just coincidence there. So today we are joined by my good friend, Mr. Don Lee of Alaska Floats and Skis in Talkeetna, Alaska. We've known each other now for about two decades. We've had the opportunity to fly together, (laughs) and uh, he's just been a huge supporter of the Seaplane Pilots Association and our mission. He's donated multiple uh, seaplane rating scholarships via our Tyler Orso, Chuck Kimes Memorial, Seaplane Scholarship Rating. He just donated a one via the Lyft Scholarship Program, our newest scholarship offering. Don, thank you so much for joining us. I am humbled and it's also good to see you, my friend.
2: Hey thanks, Steve. I'm sure glad to be here and Abby I'm looking forward to getting to know you better. Um, but yeah, you asked me uh, join your podcast and I with no hesitation, uh, the Seaplane Association has been instrumental to putting seaplane pilots together, current legislation, everything uh, in all one magazine. It's fantastic. I'll do whatever we can to support that work.
1: You're awesome Don. It's so great to talk to you. I'm looking forward to you know meeting you in person when we eventually make it up to Alaska. Um, I don't do well with the cold, though. I think we've talked about that on this show. So I think I own maybe one jacket. I got it for Christmas. It's got the down in it, so I'm excited to oh, actually you're, use you're it. You're in the all cold. set. Really, that's all I need. Just one jacket.
2: That's all you need. I feel underdressed. That's all you. Need. I'm wearing a short sleeve shirt. 65 <laughs> degrees today. That's we, we,
0: cold, Dawn. We've got to get her to ditch her Docksiders and get a pair of waders, though.
1: No. Yeah. yeah. Everyone, get you some ways.
0: Catch,
2: <laughs> catch a can sneakers. We'll get you all set up.
1: Don, so great to have you Cute on. Little
2: code. Cute little float coat.
1: Cute little float coat. Oh, I like it. Can we can we put Alaska Floats and Skis on it? We can put a little emblem on it.
2: We've got patches on them. You bet. They oh, all have yeah. AFNS patches.
1: Got to represent. So today we're going to focus on what oh. Alaska Floats and Skis has done to combat a real problem in the seaplane community. That being the diminishing number of seaplane pilots. Steve, why don't you start off? Take us through why this is even a problem and what can be done to solve this problem.
0: Well, Don's been a huge partner for us in combating this problem, and that is something that I don't know everyone realizes. We have lost 27.5% of the seaplane pilot population in the last 20 years alone. And so our numbers have gone from about 32,000 down to just over 23,000 seaplane-rated pilots in the last 20 years and to make it a little bit more exaggerated we've or to really bring this home we've lost 14 percent just in the last five years we've lost 3750 seaplane pilots out of the u.s population
1: those are some pretty substantial numbers
0: they are and yeah uh,
2: yeah i didn't realize it was so small
0: wow yeah. And so if you look at 600,000 pilots in the U.S., uh, when you talk about 23,000 seaplane rated pilots, we're a really small demographic. And Don, yes,
2: I didn't realize that.
0: Wow. And Don, you've been a tremendous partner for us uh, for as long as I can remember now in the Tyler Orzo's literally since we began the scholarship rating, uh, working with us to help uh, provide uh, opportunities for new aspiring seaplane pilots, which is critical. This is a, and and your school is one of the most renowned schools in the world. Uh, it's truly a unique experience flying with you. When we say backcountry, it doesn't get much more backcountry than where you are. <laughs>
2: Yeah, Alaska really is still the last frontier. And uh, I'm, I'm so happy to be able to sort, uh, support Terry in the in the Tyler Orso uh, scholarship and then also the, the gals in the list program. I think that's a great opportunity. Steve, this industry is set up where we have to pay forward. We have to reach down. Uh, aviators and bring people into it. Now, a good example was, uh, I think, Brooke Roman was one of your uh, scholarship applicants and successful uh, uh,
0: recipients drawers. Yeah. And anyway, recipients.
2: Yeah, Parcipia. That's the name I'm looking for. And she uh, came up and she was kind of shy and her dad came with her and big eyes and looking around and, and wasn't <laughs> sure she uh, wanted to continue on in the avi- aviation. But once she started flying floats, she just had a passion for it. She ended up working for me as a flight instructor for the next couple of years. She's gone on in her aviation career, flying uh, uh, Twin Otters for Hillcorp for the oil companies. Now she's in the queue wearing a white shirt. (laughs) She put her hip boots in the closet and now she's wearing a white shirt and epaulets, but she's a real success story. But that's a perfect example of your organization and in these scholarships helping, uh, pulling somebody up into the industry, introducing them to float flying, uh, developing that passion. And so it is kind of our responsibility as seaplane pilots uh, to bring people up into it. And it's, it's not just the flying It's the access, you know, Alaska is so big and, and the lakes and the rivers and the places you can go. It's fantastic. Um, but it's helping those people come into it. Your magazine's fantastic. Um, very shows, everybody, some of the wonderful adventures you can do. Um, One of the problems, as you very well know, with seaplanes is the infrastructure. It's hard to own a seaplane without having like property or having an amphib or somehow be able to uh, fuel it and maintenance and, and get at it. And protect it Uh, is you just don't want to leave your plane on a random lake at somebody's house or something and not be able to look at it every day and make sure it's protected it doesn't sink a boat doesn't wash it over the muskrats don't build a nest in there a bear doesn't tear the top of the float off to get an old salmon you left in there um that's one of the problems with the with the seaplane stuff is just a little bit the infrastructure and of course uh Alaska has a great demand for seaplane pilots. Um, you can't hardly, the Southeast, the, the air tours, now with this COVID has knocked things down a little bit, but it's going to come back robust. Um, a lot of the fly fishing lodges, they're looking for, uh, sea, they're desperate for seaplane pilots, but not with just five hours. You can't hire, uh, a lodge can't hire a, a seaplane pilot with just maybe 20 hours. They're flying very, uh, um, uh, vip type people they need that experience the older pilots that's been flying for them are now starting to be retired and uh to find these young floatplane pilots with the experience it's it's a real dilemma so how do you get the experience yeah. so do you buy a, a plane and fly around in circles uh to get a couple hundred hours but the best way uh, of course we found is we'll hire a flight instructor Come and yeah. teach floats. You can have five hours. We're going to teach you how to teach floats, and then as you're teaching these, these oh, sorry, uh, That's
0: life, uh, then they're
2: going to get the couple hundred hours, and then they're going to be able to have something to offer to these uh, lodges and cruise people. Um, a good example is uh, I had a De Havilland Beaver here for a while on floats, uh, and how do you ever get experience in a De Havilland Beaver? Unless someone says, "Hey, hop in the Beaver, let's go for a ride," let yep. me introduce you to it. Let's go through ground school. Let's—you have to pull someone into it. Then immediately they went out. Do you have any experience in a Beaver? Well, matter of fact, I do. Well, now you're on top of the stack. Now you have the opportunity to learn, and that's so important. Um, and so it's, it is. It's really just up to us seaplane people to introduce the wonderful world of sea plane flying. That's there simply it.
0: The wonderful um, world of floats. And, and so, you know, in Brooks example, you know, the, The thing that happened was, I mean, we literally changed her career path and through her exposure to seaplanes through you and the scholarship program that that, you know, she hung around and she helped create a whole nother set. She told me the numbers were as high as 200 seaplane pilots that she trained while she worked for you. And so I believe
2: that. I believe that. yeah, Yeah.
0: And so the importance of that is through. This scholarship that, that we've done with the with Tyler Orzo and, and Chuck Kimes, you know, that has this history with you, just one scholarship and that Jessica. we awarded literally created 200 more seaplane pilots. And she, yeah, yeah. A domino effect. And as a gal as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and what's even more impactful is that she was so moved by the experience that she stayed on with you as an an employee and as an instructor. So it obviously was a pretty good time. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, what we have to establish is why is it so important for, you know, us to maintain the number of seaplane pilots? Well, number one, we have to have a large enough market space for people like Whip Air and Aeroset and the other manufacturers, Cessna, to manufacture the, Things that we need, like floats and an airplane that we can convert to a seaplane, but we also need insurance and in absolutely market. you know the market has to be large enough for insurance, and when you get to Alaska. Alaska is dependent on seaplanes. And so we must in, in areas like Alaska and and specifically in Alaska, we have to make sure that we are meeting the demand that you guys need for the infrastructure since there aren't roads to go most places in Alaska.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's just such a trickle down. And you mentioned, uh, yeah, the float manufacturers, the uh, um, the whole training facilities, the, even the Just general aviation, um, though float flying is a small part of it, it's very much a part of it. In Alaska, there's places that are all float flying, all those fly fishing lodges, um, transportation, all the scenic flights in the southeast, float planes, float planes, float planes. And so we need to bring the people up and we need to uh, build this industry if we can get the support. That trickle down is so important.
1: And I think it's important to just reemphasize the fact that you know, people fly float planes for fun. You're, it's a hobby. It's, it's a side thing. But up in Alaska, like you said, there's places you physically can't get to places without seaplanes, and so it's no longer just yep. a hobby and for fun. I mean, it's it's a critical. You can't part. get your
0: mail. You can't get your groceries. You can't get any th- medical Access care. Medical
1: care. Oh. I mean, good grief! Oh,
2: absolutely, and it is absolutely with a seaplane is the only way to do it. And so, Alaska is unique in that sense. Just the sheer tyranny of distance and the infrastructure of roads and stuff. Um, the float planes are absolutely essential. And so, there seems like there's, and of course, Alaska is a very flying state, anyways. But the float planes offer a unique niche, and it takes a specific set of skills to operate a float plane uh, safely. Once you get, once someone gets the passion to fly float planes, like for instance, I'll do uh, maybe um, I'll do a uh, f- hundred seaplane ratings. Out of those ratings, probably fifty percent of them may never fly seaplanes again. Sure, twenty five percent, yeah, twenty five percent of that will fly seaplanes and wheel planes and kind of dabble both back and forth. But then the other twenty five percent. They just get a passion. I'm flying seaplanes. That's all they do is fly seaplanes. So once it flips um, and you get that in your blood, just like any type of passion in flying, once you start flying seaplanes,
0: you're hooked. Absolutely. You're hooked. I don't even own landing gear for my Super Cub, (laughs) so… Perfect, perfect. <laughs> so you know, and I think we keep it that way. I want to, as much as I like flying tailwheel and everything else as well. Enough, I don't need anything but floats in my cub. You know, and this might be something for Abby to learn. You know, people even fly seaplanes as a school bus going to school. They have to fly a seaplane to get to school places in Alaska. Really? Yeah, it's it's amazing. So, and you know, oh yeah, if there was a basketball team in a different village. It's
2: nothing to put the basketball team from one village to the other and fly to a basketball game. Yeah, it's just common. <laughs> Some of those kids have more time in airplanes than the pilots that are flying.
1: Oh my god! <laughs> it's just a completely different way of thinking about seaplanes. I mean, down here, it's there's such yeah. a large seaplane population. I mean, we're doing so many ratings and like they're out there, but it's not like they're used for. Not necessarily as much real world. Yeah, as yeah. much real world. As much real world like they are in Alaska. Sure.
0: And so the importance of an operation like Alaska Floats and Ski's is not only do they get an amazing education from one of the best guys in the world to get it from and your staff, but I find that there's a real void in the fact that even Alaska University, where, you know, this is a critical activity in Alaska. You know, they don't teach yeah. tailwheel training. They don't teach flow training. Even though they have a full flight program at their college, they still avoid these critical infrastructure skills that I think are, are just, you know, and this is the importance of you and, yeah. and what you provide.
2: Uh- I absolutely agree. And and then again, like we mentioned, it's the insurance companies. If they damage a float plane, the insurance guy uh, said that it's usually far away and it costs so much money to recover the plane. Uh, the tailwheel flying is a specific set of skills. Um, and there's a high incident rate with the tailwheel plane. So the the university's answer is, well, you know what? We won't do seaplanes and we won't do tailwheel because we can't uh, secure the insurance. And so it is, it's a uh, it's it's unfortunate but it's not the faa or the industry so much it's the insurance that's starting to control things sure
1: and so i think it's important important to point out as well it's not just a matter of creating more seaplane pilots it's creating good safe competent pilots so going to a a training facility like alaska floats and skis and getting training through your qualified certified flight instructors going to you learning as much Mm -hmm. as they can is so important to getting those insurance rates down so that we can continue to build up the population and keep everybody flying.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree uh, to hold the bar high so that we have good qualified pilots that can do the, has the risk management skills in the environment that you're working. Floatplane doesn't have brakes. Uh, like we talked about the hardest thing about flying floatplanes is the shoreline. So <laughs> you, once you learn that that's your, that's the hardest thing. The rest of it's just risk management, right?
1: Oh, I like that. I'm gonna, I'm <laughs> well, gonna steal that. That's mine now.
0: <laughs> the hardest thing think about float flying are the trees. <laughs> I like <laughs> the, the shoreline. The, the hardest shoreline. part is the shoreline. <laughs> so,
1: it makes a lot of sense though. Yeah. And, you know, it's staying ahead of the airplane. And so it's it's <laughs> learning from people that are in that environment are are teaching and flying every day and that can transfer that information so someone doesn't go out and wreck their airplane or hurt themselves
2: yeah absolutely i mean absolutely I and mean, a big part of our courses are that risk versus reward are you going to wreck your plane to pick up an old moose horn on a gravel bar um are your passengers a liability or an asset uh these are risk management uh, questions that come into play so yeah you pull back on the yoke the trees get smaller hopefully, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> push down the trees hopefully. get bigger that's flying the plane right but that's you need to be way ahead of that.
0: Yeah. Oh, I like that. Well, the, the river currents and everything else that you have right in your immediate area, uh, ice on the on the lakes, everything else. I mean, ice flows, uh, which are tremendous there going through Talkeetna at times. Uh, there's a lot of challenges that, oh, yeah. that you can teach that are really unique uh, to your location.
2: Yeah, and it's a losing skill. The uh, pilots are not... Uh, are not don't have the mindset like the older pilots do. For instance, maybe you're flying along in the float plane and you see coolers and oars and and boat parts coming down the river. Well, the out the. Pilots nowadays go, oh, somebody tipped their boat over. But now the old-time pilots go, somebody tipped their boat over. Well, there's three people sitting on a sandbar getting hypothermic. Yeah. I better go look. You need to go get them. And then be able to land the plane and, in the river and know how to do it safely is uh, is a whole other set of skills. Um, the worst thing can happen, of course, is to land the river and wreck your plane and be part of the problem. You know, exactly. So, no, there's a set of skills that's very, very involved. And it's just a whole other level of thinking.
0: Yeah, and, you know, one of the things that is more prevalent in Alaska than anything else in, in my experience is, you know, y- your passengers show up that that are far higher, and they show up with coolers full of beer, and they show up with guns and this and all their provisions, and they have such an unrealistic expectation of what you can legal, you know, what you can really fly in that airplane, and— it's important oh, yeah. through, through good training that pilots and i think this is one of the biggest lessons i see missing in in so many training activities is that you can shuttle multiple loads of stuff out you don't have to take it in the in the single load and there might be a real big lake just 10 minutes away that that is easier to get in and out yeah. of so you can take a partial absolutely. load absolutely and and people don't realize that. And that's yeah. the kind of training that you provide in that real world scenario that really makes the difference
2: making those decisions that movie uh, never cried wolf is a good example where the guy with the beaver has the canoe tied on and and mat- bed mattresses tied on the struts and and flying that guy out that's hilarious does it tries about three or four times before he gets it in the air it's uh it's fantastic but no that's and we have that mythology about alaska bush pilots being you know bull legged and and extra tough and all this stuff but actually it's completely opposite the uh i was fortunate enough to Get here in the early 70s, where some of those real old bush pilots were still alive, and uh, there I was surprised to find out they're very timid, very careful, uh, very uh, apprehensive. Because if they damage their airplane, they're cutting firewood for the railroad, so yeah. they were really careful sure. with their equipment, and so as a whole. A uh, big bubble pop of the bush pilots thinking they're big tough guys, but uh, they're actually very humble, very cautious, very um, safe, uh, which was interesting. And they had to be.
0: Yeah, look at Atley. I mean, Atleys are per, uh, perfect. Atley Dodge uh, was not a big frame guy. He wasn't the the Alaska bush pilot that you know it, you this this right, you know, right. huge bulk of a guy. Yeah. <laughs> so that's great yep, stuff. Absolutely.
1: I'd like to go off of that a little no, bit, too. All. You know, I mean, what we're doing training down here in Florida, and people say, oh, this is bush flying. It <laughs> is, in a way. I mean, you are, you're putting the structure on yourself. You have to be the one making the good decisions. <laughs> but I don't like it. They use it in a way where it's like, oh, this is just the Wild West. This is bush flying. It's like you obviously have no idea what bush flying actually involves. <laughs> I don't even know what bush flying actually involves. But I imagine the reason those people are able to go seasons and seasons – without hurting themselves or wrecking an airplane, is because they're cautious. They take their time. Right. They think about what they're doing and they exactly. make good decisions. It's not because they're out mm-hmm. there wild westing it.
0: Well, I mean Don yeah, Sheldon. Exactly. Because they won't it's not sustainable. Exactly. Yeah.
2: It's not sustainable. You know, the,
0: the really good Bush pilots were the ones that were paranoid, Don Sheldons of the world, you know, because oh. the only way they came home was to be paranoid. Somebody's right. going to say Absolutely. it, right? Absolutely.
1: Somebody's got to do the saying, like the super cliche, you have old pilots and you have bold pilots, but you <laughs> don't have pilots, old, bold no
2: old, bold pilots. <laughs> right. Right. Like that. Now that's true. No, it's just a matter of, uh, if you drive your car the same way. If you drive your car like crazy person, it's just a matter of time before you hit something, right? And, uh, uh airplanes are very less forgiving in that sense. That's Absolutely. for
1: sure. So getting back to the scholarship, you've been so generous. <laughs> Donating to the Tyler Orso Chuck Kimes Memorial Seaplane Rating Scholarship. I know we've talked about it on previous podcasts. You've just been a great supporter of that scholarship. What would you like to see applicants that come to Alaska Floats and Skis and do the training and are provided the training through the scholarship? What would you like to see them get out of it?
0: Well,
2: um, I, I, again, I'm so happy to be able to support and reach down and, and pull people into the industry. Um, love Terry to death. Terry's got a great operation there in California. I was able to go down and see her operation and way happy to be able to help her in the Tyler, um, uh, or so, uh, scholarship as well. Um, so when an applicant, obviously they're going to apply for the scholarship. So they have a reason, they have a desire to be a, a seaplane pilot and uh, get this opportunity to, to get that rating for a very little cost for just basically for us, for them, it'll just be the cost. They just need to get to Alaska.
1: Right. Once they're
2: in Alaska, we'll house them. And uh, well, we will have to buy their own food, but we'll house <laughs> them, train them and check ride them, you know, hook them skin them fry them but uh, <laughs> uh so there's very little actual outside cost for them right. but the thing is is we're introducing them to just the the access to the wilderness we're introducing them to water flying uh, they're gonna they're gonna have a attitude the person a good screening uh Criteria for one of your applicants would be somebody that has a passion for aviation, Mm -hmm. um, enjoys uh, not afraid of the water, enjoys that water environment, and uh, is looking to even pursue a career in possibly flying float planes uh, for a career. And that's where uh, we get our payback by them paying forward once they get a job flying float planes for them talking it up. And then it's just like an Amway program where it just keeps building and building for someone just to come up and get a seaplane, say, thanks, see you later and bye <laughs> and never do anything with it. That, that would be tough. I want to see somebody like like Brooke that came and and taught 200 people how to fly, uh, showed them that it was possible and did it in such a beautiful way that it was a great experience. Um, so those are the type of applicants we're looking for people that want to go ahead and continue and, and, as they got helped, as they get more successful, reach back down, pull other people back up into the industry, and seaplanes especially. Um, We have such a demand for them here, it's not uh, that difficult. In the lower 48, it is a little more of a a pleasure thing, and there are quite a few roads and stuff. They don't depend on the seaplanes as much as we depend on them absolutely here.
0: Yeah, but when we go to the, uh, you know, how much we've – really moved into glass cockpits in in recent years for primary pilots. I think even, you know, not necessarily looking at the scholarship recipients, but looking at the overall pilot population and the importance of people getting their seaplane rating. I think one of the big things is, is that we've talked about it I don't know countless times on the show about many times people doing their their ratings you know from the word go in a glass cockpit and that they're losing some of these basic airmanship skills and so I think you know for them absolutely even for the people that aren't going to go on to pursue a career of seaplane flying per se that we're going to make them coming up and training with someone like you at Alaska floats and skis is really going to make them a better pilot and it's going to make them safer And it's going to expose them to our world. And they're going to go home and tell their friends about their experience. And there's a good chance that that their friends are going to come up and do their rating. And we're going to make a seaplane pilot out of them. And, you know, if if, if nothing else, we've given them a a memory of a lifetime and changed their life by, by sharing a part of our world with them.
2: Absolutely. If you get one in 20, that's still one more, you know, and um, being able to introduce it to somebody and how beautiful and how uh, exciting and the access and the water and the fishing and everything involved in it's fantastic. And and you're exactly right. We are losing the rudder skills and of uh, flying these planes by uh, not necessarily the seat of your pants, but by feel. Um, they're getting so dependent now on the iPods and the, and the glass cockpits and they're losing those old, uh, stick and rudder skills and the float plane flying. You have to have those. Those are absolutely necessary. You don't have time to be looking at a iPad when you're landing the float plane.
0: <laughs> and and you're flying PA 22s right now, right? <laughs>
2: Um, yes, the 22 worked out to be a great little platform for floats. We have used the EDO 2000s, they're tcd for the airplane. Uh, we did do a change this year, Steve, as we uh we put uh sea fins on them, uh, the the uh, strikers instead of the ventral fin that used to be on the bottom just to get that uh that kind of loose rump, yep. uh, short coupled yep. long bow effect out of them. And boy, it just made uh Night and day difference. They just straightened right up, and the planes work great for that. They gonna, make a great little float plane.
0: I was going to say the PA 22s will make an honest uh, seaplane pilot because uh, they're a little bit more challenging. They're, mm-hmm. they're a short uh, body airplane, and that short body in a mm-hmm. uh, crosswind situation is is really will get your eye in a hurry <laughs> much less on 30 31 tires or 30 tires like i've flown them on <laughs> oh them on. yeah yeah <laughs> you're
2: rubbing your stomach and patting your head and <laughs> counting backwards oh yeah it.
0: I mean if
1: the goal is to get like those rudder skills back up to par what a better airplane oh
0: it's yeah if you can fly a pa-22 and a crosswind on floats Mm. uh you're 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 all good yeah yeah. (laughs) so that's all great but you
2: know those floats those those 2000s that's a long float they're very stable platform i would much uh rather send somebody loose with a float plane than with the wheel plane oh yeah yeah the floats are pretty stable platform on those they'd make a pretty good float plane
0: yeah, the two thousands really I think were the inspiration for a lot of the float manufacturers. I I think almost categorically yeah. they'll tell you that uh there was a lot learned from yeah. the Edo design uh on that. And the two thousands yeah. were kind of the Hallmark float. Uh but yeah, when you're yep. when you're on those thirty inch tires on the twenty twos, you're pretty much looking at the sky. I mean, it's uh
2: <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. You're set way up look yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah, box boxing. You can't do very good if you can't see, right?
0: yeah so
2: but the water environment is nice too I mean you got ducks, the otters, you have fish uh, being around the water just around the water sitting in a lawn chair is wonderful so that seaplane opportunity gives you to uh, that opportunity as well you're in that environment it's a nice environment to be in as well well the seaplane water environment
0: and that's something that's unique to your school as well is the fact that not only are you pretty darn remote, uh, by most standards, but you actually can house your students on property. So they're kind of immersed in the, you know, in the training experience and the Alaska experience because they are literally staying right there in a cabin at the seaplane base, which is really unique.
2: Yeah, Steve, we found, uh, that we're not just a flight school. You get your hour, boom, you're gone. No, a lot of it is sitting around the fire at night. Um, talking communally we have a pizza oven now we will have a couple days a week we'll have pizza night and uh, we supply all the booze and the pizza uh it gets everybody together it's we're actually calling it the seaplane resort It's it turned into more of a resort now than a seaplane based training center um, so it, we make it nice and easy three day course. It, it works out really well. And, and we can see that because our numbers just continue to build. It's, it's must be a right combination because we're only growing in a lot of repeat business. Um, and of course, Alaska makes it happen. Alaska just, uh,
0: it's just magical. Just the place. Just magical. Well, you're really uptown a pizza oven now. Now. Uh, yeah. You can book me for next year. I'm going to bring Abby. I was, oh, I was yeah. looking at
1: him. I'm like, he better look at me. <laughs> You're taking me with you, Steve.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, you try to feed 30 people nowadays. You have the, the vegetarians, the Sagittarians, the Presbyterians. You can't feed everybody. So this way they can make their own pizza. And put on if they want meat, put it on meat. If they want cheese, put on the cheese. You don't want cheese, don't put on the cheese. But anyway, you easy way to feed a lot of people inexpensively and have a good time doing it. I'm sold. Of course, yeah. everyone's all full of flour. You know, they're all white, <laughs> big handprints on their rump, and and you know. But it's all all part of the deal, right?
0: That's awesome. Well, you know, I want to just uh, thank you for everything, and I want to let people know how they can donate to the scholarship programs through the Seaplane Foundation. So. If you are interested in suppo- supporting our uh Seaplane Scholarship programs uh, as Don has, uh they are tax deductible. You can find information at the seaplanefoundation.org. Uh you can call us here at the office at 863 863- Seven zero one seven nine seven nine. Again, all donations to our scholarship programs uh, are tax deductible, and we greatly appreciate the support. And, and Don has been one of the greatest supporters we've had in the programs, uh, especially the Tyler Orzo uh, and Chuck Kimes Memorial Scholarship in the past, and now a new one. And I understand we, we may even have an, another one coming uh, for Tyler uh, in the tubes so
2: fantastic yeah, i think that's great so steve i'll have uh my gal call abby and, and make what you guys need for that
0: oh you're Wonderful. awesome thank for you that, so uh, much yeah uh, that's incredible off we're off the air uh, we're, we're humbled by that uh don um, what would you like to tell other flight schools about the the experience in donating with the program and working with our recipients
2: You know, it's so important in this industry, and I just can't say it enough. We have to pay forward or pay back. People uh, helped us out. Um, That's the only way we're going to continue to grow the industry, Um, even mechanics, is to introduce people to it, um, reach down, pull them into the industry. The pilots are never going to have everything they're going to need to get the job and be able to make a living. Um, We have to reach out and help them, help train them. And like the Seaplane Association and these different scholarships, fantastic. It's just that stepping stone. And Brooke was a good example. One person, bam, 200 seaplane pilots. Wow. Uh, It works. And so it's just getting the word out to the other seaplane pilots that if we're going to focus towards seaplanes, let's do it. Let's get on board. These seaplane fly-ins are fun. They're a little more complicated because <laughs> you know there's the parking and this and that. But but it it can happen.
0: There you go. And just tell us one more time uh, your website and how they get a hold of you to pursue a rating in seaplanes.
2: Yeah, um, just on the internet. Uh, uh, Alaska floats and skis at AK eight and they'll take you. There's a lot of information on that website, videos, pictures, net geographic, uh, (laughs) DYI. There's a lot of, uh, information there. And and of course call 24 hours a day. I pay the gals extra just to answer that phone 24 hours a day. So you make them earn their money, call them at three in the morning just for fun and uh, (laughs) ask them about the program.
1: Very nice. So I have that phone number here. It's 907-733-4500. So again, for Alaska Floats and Schools, Thank- 907-733-4500. <laughs> 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 you can also email at scheduling at alaskafloats.com. Alaska Alaska. And
0: uh, thank you, Abby. Oh, my pleasure. <laughs> we want to make sure we get that in. If you have any questions, you want to find more about Don's program and you want to give us a call, uh, don't hesitate to call us here at SBA. Don, thank you so much for being here. We appreciate it so much. You're you're such a joy. And I'm really uh, uh, it's I'm not going to make the Alaska Airmen show here at the end of the week. And it's just uh, I'm, I'm really sad about that. I look forward to seeing you next year, if not later this year. Well,
2: real good. I'm looking forward to meet Abby, and uh, yes, keep up the good work, you guys. And uh, let's see a picture of her. We get a picture of her. I never. I just saw her fly by once. (laughs) Is she in the podcast? There she is. There
1: she is. We only have one computer, so he can only watch Steve during this while we're on Zoom.
2: So I'm looking forward to it. Perfect. Looking forward to meeting you. And thanks so much for your, your help, both for the seaplane uh, industry, your magazine, the whole organization. Uh, Shout out to Terry. Um, I'll see you at the show. I'm excited uh, to get one of your recipients of the scholarship up here. And then uh, with the lift, the woman's in
0: flight flight training. training. What's the lift stand for? Lift uh, ladies in flight training.
2: Yeah. (laughs) We need to be at more gals in this float plane business, right?
1: It's an untapped market. I I just want to make sure everyone is exposed to how cool it is. I know Steve and I have talked about the joys of seaplane flying. Don, I know you know the joys of seaplane flying. So everyone should have an opportunity to experience that. That's
2: right. That's right. Very challenging, very enjoyable pursuit.
1: Exactly.
0: We'll have to have you back on to just talk about movie and TV work as well, which we didn't even begin Ah. to explore on this episode. So... Uh, We'll have you back for another one of those.
2: All right. Well, fantastic. No more than happy to do that. And uh, um, thanks so much for inviting me for the podcast. And you guys have a good day and look forward to meeting you, Abigail. And then Steve will uh, see you uh, someplace. I might even
0: make it to Oshkosh this year. Oh, good for you. Good. We'll look forward to it. So thank you to our listeners for tuning in. We hope this has been a uh, an entertaining and, and educational episode on why it's so important to create seaplane pilots. It's been an honor to spend time with my good friend Don Lee and with Abby, as always. So until next time, blue skies and calm waters. We are so glad you joined us today. If you like today's show, I highly encourage you to join the Seaplane Pilots Association and become a member of the largest seaplane community in the world. Members receive Waterflying, the only full-color glossy magazine dedicated to the seaplane community, and it's available in both printed and digital form. Your membership also includes access to the Water Landing Directory app, which has the Seaplane Flight School directory and a calendar of seaplane events, not only here in the United States, but around the world. The association hosts regular educational workshops, safety seminars, and gatherings for seaplane pilots and anyone with a passion for seaplanes. So look us up online at seaplanes.org, join our community, and support our mission of protecting and promoting waterflying.